0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. All right, I got questions. It's Super Bowl Day. Who is on Team Rams? Raise your hand if you're on Team Rams. Oh, t- just two. Oh, booze out there. Uh, what about the Bengals? Any Bengals fans out there? Oh, everybody's going for the Bengals. How about Team Commercials? Team Commercials? Oh, okay. Everybody's going for Commercials. <clears throat> I got to go for the Bengals. Liz and I lived in Louisiana. When Joe Burrow, their quarterback, uh, was there and won a national championship, so have to. Um, So that's exciting. Well, good morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and it's great to be with you on this snowy day. I imagine we have more people joining us online because of the snow, so welcome to you guys. Glad you're here. We are in a series going through Ephesians, and we're in chapter 3 today. And we're just learning from this letter to the Ephesians from the Apostle Paul um, about the church and how we should be as a family. So we've called this series Family. I got shot once. Um, I just saw some heads. What? It's true. I'm being overdramatic, but I did get shot once. Me and my friend Darren, we were pheasant hunting. And when you pheasant hunt, you um, anybody been pheasant hunting? Yeah? Uh, what about Nintendo Duck Hunt? Anybody? Nintendo? Okay, yeah, Nintendo Duck Hunt. Same thing. There's no difference. Uh, you, walk, you walk through these tall grasses where the pheasants might hide, and when you disturb them, they fly up, and then you shoot them. And then you have a delicious dinner. So when you're uh, hunting for birds, you use bird shot, which is like a whole bunch of little BBs packed together, and then when you shoot it, they spread out so you can so you have a bigger uh bigger something, all these little bbs hit the bird instead of just one little slug, so it's easier to hit them. And so my friend, we're walking along, Darren spooks this bird, it flies up, we both shoot it, and Darren clips the wings of it. So it doesn't die, but it like glides down into this ditch, kind of like over here. And so Darren goes over into the ditch and he's trying to find this bird so, you know, he can have dinner. And so he's walking a little bit ahead of me, and we're probably, I don't know, 50 feet apart maybe, and he's getting ahead of me. And then right in between us, this pheasant flies up, and I see Darren turn around, and I'm over here, and I see the barrel of Darren's gun, and I'm like, oh, no, he's going to try and shoot me. And so he shoots, he shoots the bird, he gets the bird, you know who else, who else he gets? He gets me. Only, it was just like, I don't know what happened because these pellets, as soon as I saw his gun, I like started to duck, but I wasn't fast enough because these pellets hit me in the jacket and they just kind of bounced off. And there was like, they didn't go through the jacket. I don't know if they ricocheted off of something. So I like to tell people that I've been shot before and that's it. Um, one, of those, one of those BBs like even went into one of my pockets that was open and I found it later. Um, But really not a big deal at all. That is what we're going to do today in Ephesians 3. This bird shot, um, Paul kind of just gives us all these little topics. All these little BBs of truth are coming at us today. So that's what we're going to see today. We're going to go through Ephesians 3. We're going to see all these little BBs and just pick up whatever hits you. Let one land in your pocket and dwell on it this week. Um, If you remember, Ephesians is... um, we kind of compared it to the Sears Tower. If you want to go figure out the land of Chicago, you might want to go up to the Sears Tower, go to the Sky Deck, and you can see all the different buildings, you know. The, the Sky Deck is to Chicago what Ephesians is for the Bible. It gives us this beautiful view of God's overarching plan for humanity. It's not in depth, it's not detailed, but we can see God's beautiful plan. So in the first chapter of Ephesians. We discovered the rich inheritance that we've received from God, now that we are his sons and daughters. And then in chapter 2, we learn how we have been made alive in Christ, not by our own effort, but through Jesus Christ, his work in us. It's nothing that we do. It's his work. We are his masterpiece. Then last week, we saw how we are one family, Jew and Gentile family. Democrats and Republicans, family. Mask wearer, non-mask wearer, we are family. Bears fans and yes, even Packers fans, we are family in the church. <laughs> Only by Christ. So for our first passage today, Jesus is the big reveal. He, God's been telling this story all throughout scripture for thousands of years, generations on generations. God has been telling this story Um, of how he's going to send a Messiah, a Savior, to hold the office of prophet, priest, and king, willing to sacrifice himself to save the world. And he fulfills God's word in a way that no one expected, but everyone needed. And so today we're going to read chapter three. If you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, like I said, we're going to hit a lot of different topics. So I really exhort you, encourage you to pull out a device, follow along with me. Um, We also have some paper Bibles in the back if you prefer paper. So this is Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read through verse 6. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming by the way that you know God gave me the special responsibility for extending his grace to you Gentiles, As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into his plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews Who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. We are living in a post-Jesus coming to earth world where God's mystery has been revealed in Christ Jesus. And we can know his full plan is not just for Israel, as they knew in the Old Testament, but also for us, for all humanity. And this first lesson that we can pick up in this passage is that Jesus bridges divisions. Big ones, small ones, medium ones, Jesus bridges divisions. Jews and Gentiles, uh, Gentiles are people who are not Jewish, so probably most of us, were one of the biggest divides between people at that time. They had different beliefs, different ways of running their household, different cultures, They were completely different peoples with not much reason to associate with each other. It's kind of like Spider-Man and Batman. You know, like they're in two different universes. They're fighting crime in two different cities. Like they're they're not really going to associate with each other. They have no reason to come together. And so there's no reason for them to come together. That's what we have here with Jews and Gentiles. But now Jesus is calling us into unity under his leadership. And it only happens through the gift of his death and resurrection. So imagine this. Imagine you've got a next door neighbor who you kind of know. And they come over to you one day and they say, Hey, um, I know we haven't really talked that much, but I have a super rich uncle. Like he has yachts and he has uh, vacation homes in the mountains and on beaches. He's got a private jet and a ton of money. And he, he died. And so you're like, oh man, I'm I'm so sorry that he died. And then he he says with joy, with excitement, because he wants to share in his uncle's excitement for generosity. He says, well, he's actually included you in the inheritance. And you're like, what? I didn't even know your uncle. How, how much did he leave me? And this guy and and your neighbor says he left you everything that he left me. All of what he had is now ours together. You can get on a jet tonight and go to a vacation home. In Florida, anybody want to go to Florida with me? Vacation, a private jet to Florida. Let's go. And (laughs) yes, please. I love it. Um, This is now ours. This is what Jesus has done for us. The inheritance that was um, to to the Jewish people at that time, they thought it was just theirs, is now being given to everyone, and we are equal because of Christ. The Jews and the Gentiles, they had divisions among them. That was the main division in the church of that day. Uh, uh, sometimes sometimes uh, the Jews would think of the Gentiles as others, like people that didn't quite belong in the church or people that had to do extra things to get into the church. They were seen as someone who maybe didn't deserve the inheritance as much as a Jewish person, person would because the Jews were chosen by God. But Jesus bridges that gap so now everyone has access. There are still divisions in the church. I don't think we have this Jewish-Gentile division in the church anymore, but I think we still have, I know, we still have these huge divisions. I'm not just talking about our local church, although they're here, but also the, the, the national church and the global church. We have these divisions that Jesus has the ability to bridge. And so I want to know what causes us to judge another Christian? What causes us to think judgmentally about them? What causes us to think, well, you're an other. You don't really belong in the church. You don't really understand Jesus like I do. Are they beliefs? Are they sins? Are they just cultural? Whatever it is, I would hope that in relationships, we can still be united in Christ. We can still disagree. That's just going to happen. But in relationships, we can sit down and we can talk. We can have a conversation and we can do it in love instead of shouting at each other from across the internet. I think that's the kind of unity that God is looking for, even if we don't quite agree on everything. Remember, Paul says, All people who, who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Jesus bridges divisions. Paul goes on. He continues to talk about how he considers it a blessing to share this good news. He mentions that he is the least deserving of all people to share this good news. And you know what? Paul is absolutely right. He is least deserving. His life before Jesus was a mess. He was everything he was doing everything that God hates. He let religion and rigid rules control his life and not only his life, but he projected that onto others. He twisted his beliefs into something um, something that God just had no part of and he twisted it into something where he could give himself permission to hurt others on behalf of God. There's scriptures where we have that Paul um, approves of someone's murder because they believe in Jesus and they were spreading the gospel. He said, yes, murder that guy. Like he doesn't deserve to live because he's spreading the gospel. That's Paul. Paul who gave us most of the New Testament was a murderer. That was his life before Jesus. But here he is declaring God's message of salvation to the world. After all that. And that's the beauty of it, right? There's beauty in that because not what he did, but in the redemption that he's received, there's beauty. Because of God's grace, he is redeemed. Because of Jesus, Paul, along with everyone here, is qualified to live out and share this good news. This is God's redemptive work in us. That we can be made right with him, no matter our past. And then we get to verse 10. Verse 10 says, uh, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. That's, that means God's wisdom has rich variety, not the church, although that's true too. Um, its rich variety to the, all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ, and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That phrase, in the heavenly places, is something we're not really familiar with, um, but it's an all-encompassing phrase. It's, It's the whole known universe. Whole known and unknown universe. That's what that heavenly places is. That's everything. So this verse is telling us that God's wisdom, in all its variety, is going to be known is going to be displayed to the universe his power his glory his mercy his majesty his grace his redemption is going to be displayed to the universe and do you see who's going to go show the universe god's wisdom you guys tell me who look in there who is going to tell the world about god's wisdom us, yes, the church. You did it. It's the church. That's us. You and me together. Not individually, because you can't have church by yourself. That's not a thing. Church is us together. The church delivering God's wisdom. We united in Christ as the church are called to reveal God's wisdom to the universe. We have a mission. We are God's agents. And that only happens We only fulfill that mission when we are the church. And to be the church that God envisions, we have to be united around one person. And of course, that's Jesus. Our lives together completely centered on him. So verses 10, 11, and 12, they fit beautifully together because verses 10 and 11, they show us the mission of the church. And then verse 12 shows us the result of, when that mission is fulfilled. So if you look at verse 12 again, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Boldly and confidently into God's very presence. This is one of the varieties of God's wisdom that he made a plan where we have access to the living creator God. You and me have access to God through Jesus, through his death and resurrection. Let me share with you um, Life Community Church's uh, vision statement. We are inviting people in to the life-renewing presence of God. That's our vision statement, that we would be a people that are inviting people in to the life-renewing presence of God. That's what we want to see here at Life. Because we know that people, when people experience his presence and the love of God, their lives are renewed, their lives are redeemed, lives are changed forever because we are living life in a way that it's meant to be lived. The way that God created life, we are living that life because we're living it with him. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life actually I think he says they, that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Don't you want a full life? Don't you want life to the fullest? That's why Jesus has come so that we can be with him, live life with him and have life to the fullest. Do you guys have friends or maybe family that you can uh, just walk in their house? Like no knocking, you just go over there and you just walk in their house? For me, the first, when I asked myself that question, the first people that came into my head are my parents. My parents live in Bloomington, and we'll go over there every once in a while. And I have never once thought about knocking on the door. Now, this isn't the house that I grew up in. They've moved since then. This is, uh, it's just, I know that they live there, and so I just walk in. I, I expect them to welcome me. Never once have I walked in the house, and my mother said, Get out of here, Daniel. So that's what she calls me, Daniel. She's never said To me. She's always welcomed me. My dad's always welcomed me into their house whether I knock or not. Knocking isn't even something that I've ever considered. This is the kind of attitude, boldness and confidence. I'm walking into my parents' house with boldness and confidence like that I'm not even really aware of because I'm so used to how I've been greeted. This is the kind of boldness and confidence that Paul is evoking here when he tells us that we can enter God's presence in the same way. Because of Jesus standing in the gap for us and through our faith, we can enter God's presence with confidence and boldness as his children. Just walk right into his house and say, hey Jesus, hey God, I'm here. I I think sometimes we think that we're undeserving to be there, and we are. But because of Jesus, all that is wiped out. My this week we had a we got like a platter of cookies um, from Schnooks. And I have a two-year-old daughter. I have all daughters. I have two-year-old, five-year-old, and a seven-year-old. And my two-year-old was left alone in the kitchen with an open platter of cookies. Don't know how it happened, but you know, it happens. So I I walk into the kitchen, not expecting anything, and I see her eyes get big, and I don't know why, and then I see her scurry behind, uh, like underneath our kitchen table. I'm like, what is that about? Like, she's hiding from me. Okay, what's going on? So then, you know, you look a little bit closer, and she's got her head down, and then she kind of looks up like this, and she's got a hand behind her back, and she says, don't see my cookie, daddy! Don't see my cookie! And You know, it's the most adorable thing I've ever seen. And I wonder if that's sometimes how we enter God's presence. As though, like, he doesn't know our sins. He doesn't know our wrongdoings already. And we enter as though that wrongdoing isn't already covered by Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we go into God's presence, cowering and embarrassed and shamed with our sins behind our back. "Don't, Don't see my sin, God. Don't see my sin. But because... Of Jesus' death and resurrection, He has wiped when we when we confess to Him, He has wiped those sins off the map, so that we can enter God's presence with confidence and boldness as His children. John 1.12 says, "But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God." And First John three one says. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. We are his kids. You don't have to pound on the door and plead with God to let you in. The door is open to his presence, his presence available to you. Because the things that disqualified you from being in God's presence, Jesus has taken care of for you. And so now you can confidently and boldly go into God's presence like a child to a loving father. And then Paul, so impassioned and humbled by God's wisdom, he falls to his knees. Not just because of this last little bit, but I think it's the, the stack of chapters 1, 2, and 3 all piling up. He's overwhelmed and overcome with the goodness and the beautiful plan of God, he falls to his knees. And I just, i sometimes I love to picture these scenes. We don't know really what happened, but it's probable that he had a someone uh, writing down his letter for him. We know that he was in jail, so maybe he's behind bars and his scribe is like on the other side of the bars. And he just like is giving this letter and he's just like, oh, I'm overcome by the goodness of God. And he falls to his knees And we get this prayer that he prays for his friends in Ephesus. He says this, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What a prayer! What a deep, bold prayer. Consider the confidence and boldness it takes to pray that prayer. This isn't some flippant little prayer. He has the boldness to ask for God's unlimited resources and strength. He has the confidence to declare that even in our inadequacies and sin, that Christ can have a home in our broken hearts. And he has the boldness to ask for the understanding to know the dimensions of God's love. Here's where this little card comes in. Um, I hope that you all got a card when you came in. If you didn't, there'll be some on the back table. But I want to invite you to do something this week. I want to challenge you to do something this week. Um, With this card, I want you to pray pray this prayer twice a day. Once for yourself. Take some time and pray this for yourself. If you want to insert your own name into here, By all means, do so. Write it in there. Write your name in there and pray this, this bold prayer. And go into God's presence knowing that your sins are covered with boldness and confidence to talk to Father God. And pray this for yourself. The second time you pray it, whether you do it back to back or at different times of the day, it doesn't matter. Just pray it twice. Put somebody else's name in here. Maybe they know Jesus already. Maybe they don't. It doesn't matter. But pray this for somebody else. That they would know the love of God in their lives. That they would be filled with strength from the Spirit. Now, of course, this prayer is something that you could pray for way more than just seven days, right? You could pray this prayer for a lifetime. Even Paul says we can't fully know the love of God, but we can keep praying it. But I want to give you something You know, obtainable, something that you can do this week. And I want to see what God does through this prayer for our church. Pray once for yourself, once for somebody else. And I invite you to do this in a dedicated way. Like, don't do it when you're driving. Um, Go, if you've got small kids, go find a closet or the bathroom more likely and lock yourself in there. Um, You know, do it in a dedicated way that allows you to fully go into God's presence without interruption and pray this prayer and see what God does in your heart and in the heart of somebody else. And if you are feeling so externally bold, pray this out loud for somebody this week. Say, "Hey, can I pray this for you? Can I pray a prayer for you that's in the Bible and put your hand on their shoulder and pray this over them." So that that's an overview of Ephesians 3. I hope a couple of those birdshot pellets of truth kind of slipped into your pocket and take, take them with you this week. If there's something that's in your heart, something kind of moving, something that you heard from scripture today and you kind of feel it like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. And I invite you to dwell on that this week. Write down whatever thoughts, whatever feelings you have right now. Write that down and dwell on it this week. Uh, I want to invite the worship band to come back up and let me pray here. Jesus, so much in here. We just touched the surface of your good and beautiful plan. We thank you for uniting us with each other. We thank you for entrusting us, the church, with your mission to display your wisdom and your glory and your power. We ask that you would give us boldness to live that out. (laughs) When we fail, ask for your forgiveness. Receive your forgiveness. We thank you that we can enter into your presence with confidence and boldness. That's such a beautiful thing. Help us to know that your presence is safe and a place of love for us. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemuhammad.org.